Story time. Shabbat Shalom. Some time back, I worked as an employment lawyer. I learned that people bring their bad behaviors into the workplace, oblivious to the golden rule. Employees who look great on paper might adhere at work to the law of the jungle. The liars lie, the entitled embezzle, verbal abusers persecute the meek. And some people cannot keep their hands or other bits to themselves. A few weeks ago in the Torah readings, we witnessed a model employment relationship between Abraham and his trusted manservant, Eliezer of Damascus. Abraham sent Eliezer to find a suitable wife from his father's clan for Isaac. Eliezer brought back a woman who had treated him, a stranger, with remarkable kindness, Rebecca. This week's Torah portion, Vayetze, has very famous passages, including a ladder with ascending and descending angels that I will leave to others to interpret. And the reproductive competitiveness of our matriarch Leah, who named her first three sons to garner Jacob's love, she realized, only realized with the fourth her gratitude to God. As Rabbi Bradley Artson of the Ziegler School of Rabbinic Studies observed, that child, Yehuda, was the first in the Torah whose name includes a name of God, represented by the Yud, Yeh, like Yehovah, um, the Jewish people, Yehudim, are named for him, that's us. As we read last week, Jacob famously manipulated his family for his own ends. Jacob bought Esau's birthright with some lentil stew and donned goatskins to simulate Esau's hairiness to fool their unseeing father and to steal his blessing. This week, Jacob flees to Canaan, from Canaan, excuse me, to Haran, the land of his mother Rebekah's birth, to find a wife from his parents' clan. During his sojourn in Haran, Jacob matures from an obnoxious, manipulative youth to a fully realized adult. The passage of 20 years will do that, but Jacob also experienced exploitation as a worker that facilitated his maturation. This Parsha, this Torah portion, in terms of employment relationships, offers no role models. We have the boss, Uncle Laban, or Laban, and Jacob, whom we already know, two men whom my Aunt Sarah would have called so-and-sos. And the Torah says that when Jacob recounts to Uncle Laban all that had happened, meaning Jacob's finagling Esau's birthright and blessing, Laban responds not with shock or reproof, but by saying, you are truly my bone and flesh. That's what English professors call foreshadowing, a signpost suggesting that uncle and nephew may be two so-and-sos in a pod. When Rachel met, excuse me, when Jacob met Rachel, which is not a bad movie title, the sight of her 
gave him the strength to single-handedly roll a heavy rock off a well and to water her father's entire flock. Only then does he reveal himself as a kinsman. After a month together, Laban asks Jacob what wage he wants for his labor. Jacob requests the hand of Rachel, Laban's beautiful younger daughter. Their agreement, the Torah tells us, consists of Laban saying, better that I should give her to you than I should give her to an outsider, stay with me. The Torah observes that the seven years of work Jacob had offered for Rachel's hand seemed to him but a few days because of his love for her. The Bible's description of time flying serves as a proof text for Einstein's theory of general relativity. But I digress. Laban then takes Jacob to the cleaners. At the wedding, he palms off a heavily veiled, less attractive Leah as Rachel, which amazingly dawns on Jacob only come morning. <laughs> I would have known if my mother-in-law did this with my husband's brother. <laughs> Furious, Jacob storms at his now father-in-law, Laban, saying, what in tarnation, or the biblical equivalent, Laban takes no responsibility for his ruse, but says that it is the local custom to marry off an older daughter before the younger. As a consolation, Laban offers Rachel to wed him after a week if Jacob will promise to then work another seven years afterwards. Laban knows Jacob cannot walk away from the promise of winning the object of his desire, Rachel. And so Jacob, a proven con artist, understands he has met his match in Laban. If, as Ricardo Montalban famously intoned in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, revenge is a dish best served cold, then our father Jacob had years to chill it before serving. While Leah and a couple of handmaidens bore, his, bore him children, Jacob tended to Laban's flocks and considered what he might do to him. Finally, when Rachel gave birth to Joseph, Jacob informed his father-in-law that he wanted to return to Canaan, his homeland. Laban then asks Jacob what wages he owes him. Jacob engages in a bit of Middle Eastern negotiation flattery and then says, Give me the spotted and speckled goats and dark sheep from the larger flock as my wages. And Jacob adds, in the future when you go over my wages, let my honesty toward you testify for me. If there are any among my goats, if there are among my goats any that are not speckled or spotted, or any sheep that are not dark colored, then they got there by theft. So he's saying, I'm honest. And, and Laban readily agrees. But, as if Laban had not been dishonest enough, he quickly removes the streaked and spotted goats and all the dark-colored sheep and puts them in the charge of his sons, Ude and Kuse. Probably not their actual names. At a distance of three days away, Jacob is left tending Laban's flocks 
now consisting of only solid colored goats and light sheep. So after watching uh, Laban's duplicity for 14 years, Jacob serves up his cold revenge. At the watering trough, he encourages crossbreeding among the hardiest animals. Moreover, these are animals of different colors, resulting in streaked, spotted, or dark offspring. Jacob thus increases his wealth and takes care to separate those flocks from Laban's. The Parsha ends with Jacob and company departing to Canaan. So, what can we learn from this bad employment relationship? First, negotiate the best contract you can. Even better, do business with honorable people. And as Hillel famously said, what you find hateful to yourself, do not do to others. Laban's despicable example teaches us that we should treat people justly. May we always refrain from being so-and-sos to our coworkers, friends, and families.